Shall we do it? Yep. Let's get it. 61? 61, bitch. 61. With a bullet. A bullet. Yep. 61 with a bullet. What does that mean? I'm not entirely sure. Okay. Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 61. We're back again for another week. If you don't buy now, know by now. The pod named after the fact that you have to stay up all night to watch football, but not as late anymore because daylight savings has ended. The Premier League kicks off at a good time. Uh, it makes those Champions Leagues a bit bit rough, though. 4 a.m., the 4 a.m. kickoff in Adelaide. Uh, give me back the 6, 6.30, please. I've got Tommy on the other end of the line. We're going to go over the Champions League, some English first division stuff. Probably have a tee off at Arsenal this week. That'll be fun. Uh, a good giggle at Man United, as always, on the way as well. We'll save that for last. Tune in for that. Man United fans, we're still hanging out waiting for you. If you want to get on, come on. Come rep your boys. Get on. We'll jump straight into it. Tommy, how you doing, mate? Excellent. We've got a long list of people that are... Uh, messaging me every week like yeah the next time Man United win I'll jump on it's fine it's fine but <laughs> when is that going to be when, how long we can't wait forever you know maybe episode 243 or something I guess With a I don't know yeah whatever that means um, we'll jump straight into the Champions League from last week we didn't get a chance to cover it because we did the World Cup groups um, I had some good feedback on that actually which I thought was I thought it was average but people people didn't mind it so there you go there you go. I was about to make a joke at our expense, but sure. No, go yeah, on. People what like that kind joke? of thing. No, what was the joke? <laughs> no, it was just <laughs> what a great idea to substitute the UCL out for <laughs> us speculating <laughs> on World Cup groups full of teams of players we've not watched. <laughs> it doesn't take place for another six months. And even then, good luck if it does. Yeah. All right. We'll jump into the Champions League from last week. First up, Benfica hosting Liverpool. I think... The smart money was always going to be in Liverpool in this one. They got it done pre- pretty easily away. 3-1. Uh, what do you make of this one? What do you make of this tie? I thought it was going to be a more intriguing tie than what it was. Did you? Result-wise. Yeah, Benfica got a bit, a little bit of X factor about them. I like that. They really impressed me. Um, they knocked out Ajax, didn't they? Yeah, and you really rated Ajax, didn't you? I did. So I thought everything from here in should be, um, you know, should be exciting to watch at the very least. And I thought they were still, but Liverpool did what Liverpool do and they turn it on in really specific periods of play and they put games beyond doubt. And, you know, that's just what it is. And you do well for Benfica to overturn a two-goal deficit, home or away in the second leg. Yeah, definitely. Uh, going back to Anfield as well, I don't know if, Liverpool probably not resting anyone at this stage of the competition, but uh, they can probably do a bit of rotation in that front three or the midfield, but they'll keep it pretty tight. They'll cruise through, I think. Probably not much more else to say on that one because we will talk about Liverpool again later, I guess, after that big clash with Man City. But speaking of Man City, they had a 1-0 win over Atletico. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you caught any of this, but... I, I think saw bits and pieces. Who was the a Man City player after the game? I, th- I think it was Kevin De Bruyne. I said he'd never seen anything like it. There was just 11 men behind the ball for like the entirety of the game. I don't know if that was a bit of salt from him or a bit of frustration that they were only able to win 1-0 despite all, their, all the possession they had. But, um, yeah. Definitely frustration. I'd, but you could see it. 
it's it's evident and we know it's within Simeone's sides to do this kind of thing. Um and but they were the ultimate shit houses this game. I mean, there was those little incidences of uh players, you know, mucking around with Grealish's hair and just doing trying to do anything they can to off put um the you know the masterclass yeah. that can be Man City. Um and they did it well. Like I don't know. Well, how do you feel? Is there is there a place in the game for this kind of thing? Because I I, I bemoan it if like it happens to my team, like if Burnley come to Leeds and ground out a one nil win and they just lay down for 30 minutes and kick the ball out and do ridiculous shit. But is there a place for it? I, I kind of think there is. Yeah, no, there is a place for it in a, it's a results driven business, isn't it? Well, yeah, there's a bit of that. Ugh, copped a bit of that in the wake of the Adelaide victory game. I, uh, they're kind of different things in a way because Atleti were always going to be the underdogs in this situation. And they are they playing to their strengths by trying to be compact, wind the game down, don't let them play, restrict the movement. You know, it's really the anti-football sentiment, I think, that gets uh, under people's noses. But, you know, that's how they chose to do it. It didn't... Oh, do you think it worked? Do you think that worked? One nil, one nil defeat, surely. Do you think that's good or...? Uh, I I don't know because I, I I don't think they can turn it around though. Like it's a very hard mindset to get out. I know that Atletico are good at this and that's what they do, but I feel like this year, this time around, Man City are much more prepared. They're much more ready to go and just get the job done. Uh, there's only like Atletico can defend all they like. They need to score now, which means they need to try and they'll probably still play the same. And they'll just look they'll to try. They'll and, play exactly the same. They'll yeah. play exactly the same, and just look to try and hit on the counter. And I would just find that very frustrating if I was an Atleti fan. I know they don't have the same resources as City, but Atletico play like this lots of weeks in La Liga. Not as defensive as this, but you know they definitely pride themselves on not being not conceding goals and stuff. And I feel like a club with you know the quality they've got in midfield and up front would be looking to play a bit more positive oh, football, yeah. you know, if you're a fan of that club. But I guess, I don't know, it, just, it really just depends where you sit in terms of the balance between getting results and playing attractive football. Yeah, that's a great call. I, I was I was thinking more of the fact, you know, if you had Ja Felix and Griezmann up top in 17 out of the 20 Premier League teams, they would run riot. And so I, you're right. They do, you know, play this defensive shithousery game a lot and it, it's almost like an easy it's, it's it's like a crutch now for Simeone it's an easy thing for him to do in these situations rather than try and actually like beat a football team by playing the game yeah definitely um I, I don't think they turn it around in the second leg I think City City probably more likely to just score a couple more they'll get a little bit more luck maybe you know because they still they mm. they were unlucky with some of these shots like that 67% of the ball felt like 80. Um, only two shots on target, but <laughs> six blocked shots, which tells you the, <laughs> the guys in the box did their job. But good alternatively, effort, yeah. Atletico, not one shot blocked off target or on target. So, on target. you know, just complete nothing from them. Yes. I don't know. I can probably see him jagging a goal and forcing this extra time and then we'll really see City's medal. Yeah, the um, the attractive football fan in me just wants to see City obliterate it and just mm. we can end this whole thing about Simeone and his glorious defensive kind of, you know, 
game style that he loves to take out in the Champions League. Yeah, um, it comes at it comes at an interesting time for both Liverpool and City, given they played on the weekend as well. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, we'll move along to the next games. So Thursday morning, we'll get the Bayern one out of the way. But I don't know if anyone had this penciled in. You might have. You, I think you might have mentioned that Villarreal could take it to him in a previous did, episode. But, but I didn't didn't put my money where my mouth is. If anyone had this, you're an absolute genius, and all credit to you. Please post us your slips. <laughs> no, this was definitely the game that cost me my multi. My multi killers. Villarreal winning one 0 against Bayern. Did not see it coming. Uh, it's not as if <laughs> Bayern sent out a weak team either. They're just, you know, uh, Unai Emery just doing his best to make everyone believe that Arsenal were wrong to get rid of him. <laughs> but only in really certain situations like this one. Yeah. Bayern, Bayern are just faffing around at the moment, aren't they? Like, what? <laughs> what is weird. their purpose right now? Yeah, it is weird. Like, they've done this in the league a few times as well, but they're just, you know, they're still far enough ahead that they're going to win the Bundesliga comfortably, I'd say. But more so down to other teams' lack of consistency than their dominance. It has to be. Because even on the weekend, Bayern can only manage a 1 0 win. And they're not comprehensively destroying sides like they have been in the past. It's not the easiest run to the title. Or, you know, this is going to be a really tough task for them to overcome in the second leg now as well. Yeah, I, it was a similar situation, I guess, with the when they played Salzburg in the last round, though. Um, and then we predicted oh, that yeah. we predicted that the second leg Bayern would come home and just they more than any other side in the world, I think Bayern are able to literally just flick a switch that goes from being very ordinary to amazing, or not not necessarily like brilliant football, but just ruthless football where they're just so clinical and take every chance that comes their way and they'll just absolutely batter a team out of the park. Um, but yeah, that's if they decide to flick the switch and I've got a feeling they'll flick that flick that German switch of theirs and just turn it on and batter Villarreal in the second leg. Uh, that's a good cliche to, to launch uh, launch off with. That was um, Bayern's first loss in the UCL away from home uh, since September 2017. I thought that was interesting, mainly in the wider context of Imagine that we did go ahead with this Super League idea and you wouldn't, you would be discounting this kind of result, this kind of team like Villarreal upsetting Bayern Munich in the first leg of the, of the Champions League. Like these are stories that we need in the game. And this is why it's an interesting concept and interesting product. Fuck the Super League, basically. Fair point. Um, your thoughts on the second leg? Do you think Bayern will win the second leg? Oh, well, I did this last time. I fell into the the trap that Salzburg could um, match it again in the second. Probably not. I mean, is this what they're, they're doing now? They're just throwing away first legs and they're like, oh, we'll concentrate on the second. Don't worry about it. We'll put some goals on, get them out of this game early. Yeah, fair. Um, we'll go on to the last one of the lot. Uh, we've saved it for last because I think it's probably it was probably the game of the round. Uh, it was also... It also ties well into the Premier League and the week that Chelsea had, obviously coming off the back of a 4-1 defeat at home to Brentford. Uh, they then lost 3-1 at home to Real Madrid. Our boy Karim Benzema with back-to-back Champions League hat-tricks. Have you seen anything like it? What the hell are we watching from this guy? Where has this come from? What a, re- <laughs> what a revitalization of a man that's won 
four La Ligas and four Champions Leagues. <laughs> his, but his last few, we say, we've said it again and again, but his last few seasons, like since Ronaldo left Madrid, he's just gone to another level and it's getting, it's getting out of hand. It is out of hand. There's no, you know, they're calling for Ballon d'Ors for this guy, for fuck's sake. Can, can it, could it happen? You know, there's, for Chelsea, there's no shame in getting Benzema. Like at this point, he's a legitimate national security risk. He is. It was very, um, I got a bit of the deja vu type thing where, you know, against PSG where he scored one and then like two minutes later, exactly. he just banged another one. Uh, same thing again, like two, two in three minutes. And I don't know if you saw these goals, but the quality of the headers, like mm. the, I think it was the, the first one is the one where he kind of comes across him. It might've been the second one where he peels off oh, and yeah. he's kind of running backwards as he heads it. And it goes and, back across. Yeah. And back across the keeper. And it's just incredible. A brilliant piece of number nine. Um, it's number nine-manship. <laughs> there you go. TM, put a rubber stamp on that one. Number nine-manship, I'm calling it. <laughs> That's going on the merch. <laughs> he's just is insatiable, dude. And then, like, he is everything. He's Mark Viduka vibes, but, like, to the next level, out of the stratosphere. He just can do everything, right foot, left foot, header. And like you said, it's it's the Ronaldo factor. It's Bale gone. It's Real Madrid finally using this guy after all of these years and focusing and attacking, you know, uh, foreplay around him and making sure he's the guy that scores. It's it's just wonderful. It's insane. Yeah. And you, you just wonder now, how many years have we have been lost by him being in a team that focused on Ronaldo and Bale when... This is the kind of thing he's showing at what what is he 37? Is he 30 or 34? He's somewhere in that bracket. Uh, I'm not sure. I can have a look now while you're while you're talking. He's it's it's just one of the more remarkable things I think I've ever seen. Yeah, he's um 34 at the moment. I don't I don't know. We didn't miss out on anything because we just got to see the ridiculous Ronaldo years, you know. There's gonna, we're gonna be those guys when we're older, our generation. We're all just gonna talk about how good Messi and Ronaldo were. Like they're gonna be the two names that we think of. Um, so we haven't missed out in that sense. But <laughs> if you're a purely just a Benzema fan, you've missed out for a while. But he was still, he was good. Um, he just obviously, you know, all the focus, like you said, was on Ronaldo, and he's just, I don't know, just aging like a fine wine. Yeah, that's it. He could he could probably have been Ronaldo level is what I'm saying. If he stat padded and took all the pens and he was yep. the focal point in those really successful Real Madrid sides, I think maybe you would be referring to Messi and Benzema maybe. Ooh, that's a huge call. That's, I'm just saying the shifting realities of, you know, who's successful sides like that really focus their marketing and their attacking playthrough as well on both ends. You know, Benzema's an interesting character. You should probably always caveat Benzema with um, uh, the bullshit that went on with him in the courts and his uh, potential criminal criminal record. But nonetheless, he's um, he's in, he's on fire right now. He could get the double this season. <laughs> it's it's a real random. We don't need to go into it, but if you Google no. his his court case Buena, thing, right? it's yeah the Valbuena thing and the blackmail yeah. stuff. It's very uh, it's it's <laughs> bizarre, is what it is. It's like who would. What, what sort of human does this? 
Um, it should be a Netflix documentary. <laughs> but it's also like, a yeah, like the Tiger King people or whatever. Um, just some bizarre shit. All right. While we're on that, though, we'll stick with Chelsea and look at the English first division. We'll start with the Chelsea game, if you don't mind, um, because they really did need a response after those two losses at the bridge. Um, as much as I did get a good laugh out of, the, out of it, the neutral in me knows that uh, Chelsea did need a response and that they were capable of a response. I backed them in in my multi, but um, six goals. I didn't think they were going to do that. Six nil over the Saints. I mean, it kind of lined up a little bit. Like you said, they needed a response and a reaction. And when you've got a side like Southampton, as you have detailed in the past, who are so willing to just open games up and give them to big sides, maybe this was always in the works. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, unlucky for Southampton copping a... They probably got a hiding during the week from Tuchel after those results. Um, and unlucky for Sam... It's, you know, when you like, you come up against the team the week after they've been smashed and played off the park, and it's just, yeah. you know, that they're going to come back out hunting. Yeah. Um, you've, and you've they, seen them warm up, and they're just yeah. intimidating in how much they're sweating. <laughs> just lots of loud noises, loud noises <laughs> in the warm up, boys. Um, and just like the quality they've got across, across the park still, Chelsea, really uncharacteristic performances from them of late, but. Great to see, like, Mason Mount got a double. My boy Timo Werner finally finding the score sheet. That's a good news story. Like, you can't. That is. How close to your bet are you now? How, How many, many goals, goals has he got? got? <laughs> is I that three? Even... <laughs> I don't know. I think I already already offered to pay the guy. I was, I really was impressed with one of Werner's goals. He's tried so hard to miss that. I swear to God. His <laughs> body, I can't remember if it's the first or the second he scored, but his action and the way that his body opened up and it hits like yeah. the inside of his heel <laughs> i know there's there are very few players that i would like send ill wishes you know and i love Tim, timo Werner. he's just he's a workhorse he works hard it hasn't worked out for him at chelsea for whatever reason i still think he can go and have a great career probably somewhere else now it's probably never going to work for him at chelsea uh, but he could go somewhere, maybe back to Germany, and I could still I see know. him. He's got Italy written all over him. Italy? See, I think he's got like a Dortmund replacing Haaland in him Ooh, or something. That'd like that, be cool. A, a team that like hits fast on the counter, kind of like Red Bull Leipzig used to do mm. um, when he scored all his goals. So I can see that happening. First, Southampton, though. I know we've said it on here a few times, but they just they do have this in them. <laughs> they do have these results in them. We've seen them lose nine nil like twice in the last few seasons, and now they've now they've conceded six. I think that all at home as well. Maybe maybe one of them was away, but yeah, another absolute battering. It's an atrocious performance. Uh, four shots, one on target, twenty nine percent of the ball. Twenty nine percent. Yeah, I like. I know you're going to have difficult opponents, and when you come up against the big four, the big six, whatever you want to call them, you know it's going to be a tough day out, of course. What I always wonder about Southampton and Houston is he's pretty much just fine to co- to continue in his ways and lose by extravagant amounts. There never seems to be any pressure around him. Is it because of their league position potentially? I don't know. They're on a pretty poor run of form at the moment. I think they've lost four of their last five and now they're getting absolutely battered. Is this just a case of a mid-table side that is in relative safety, so they're already thinking about the holidays? 
Like you could have said that about Brighton before the Arsenal victory, or potentially is this, you know, is, is this a really fundamental problem in how Husson little plays against these big sides? I don't think so. Cause I, I think it's only really happened a few times. It's just that like, like they're outliers, those results. It's just that they're, because they're, they're, they're quite good against Man United you know, and City. I think this season they've had good results. Yeah. So it's not like they're going out and losing like uh, 4-1, 4-0, 5-0. You know, it's just they've had a 9-0, a 9-0 and a 6-0. Uh, but they're very much outlier results. And I think that's why there's probably no pressure on him as manager at Southampton. I think they'd want to be sitting a bit higher than they're currently 14th, I think. Um, they'd probably want to be a bit higher than that, but you know, um, I don't know. They they go all right. I like watching them play. He'll be all right. He won't lose his job, and they'll come back and they'll probably have a good year next year, and then they'll lose eight nil at some point. Then <laughs> you can just book it in every season. Who at are they going to get absolutely smashed by once? At least one game a year, you know. And one of the one of those nine nils was Leicester as well. Like it's not even. But that you was know, prime Leicester team. It can't not. I don't know. Like they won the league like six years ago now. So, and it was. I like, will always refer like to three Leicester years ago. Prime. <laughs> no, they will always be prime Leicester. They'll always be prime. Yeah. Well, that's that. Um, what's next on your list? There. Do you want me to? Should we go over to Arsenal Brighton, or have you got something you wanted to? Now let's segue into your rant here. This is going to be great because I didn't watch this game, so I was enjoying myself watching Leeds uh, absolutely rout Watford. But let's let's hear about Arsenal. Look, the uh, the mist descended over the weekend. I, <laughs> you know, I just could not believe what I was watching. Not in the scoreline, in the actual play. You know, there's you lose games where you you know you play really well, and the other team just you know they get a couple on the break or something happens. This Arsenal will never really ever looked like they were going to win this game. And this is off the back of a 3-0 loss to Crystal Palace. They've got themselves in this brilliant position where fourth spot was in their hands, maybe still is with the game in hand, uh, but they've still got to play Tottenham. Uh, And then they just go out and dish up this absolute tripe against Brighton at home. And Brighton, Brighton, to their credit, were pretty good. Um, their, Their structure is generally always pretty good. Uh, and they know they use their strengths really well, like their Trossards and Waypoos, those guys. Um, they're the two scorers, actually, by the way. Um, yeah. But they just, like, it was very even. Arsenal at no point really seemed to be dominating. Um, I, don't, I don't really know where to go with <laughs> my frustration in this performance. <laughs> it's the roller coaster of being an Arsenal, not even a supporter, but just an onlooker. And you see that they promise and they, they really gift the hope and then absolutely snatch it away from you in the course of a week. The, the Brighton one is such an aberration because it should be a routine victory. It should be a 2-0, yeah. expend no energy, get the hell out of there. Because like, like I said, Brighton are another team that are just mid-table safe and cruising. Yeah. And the results prior to the Arsenal win, it looked like Brighton were just looking for the holidays, but... Yeah, for them to do this, uh, that Mwapu had such a fucking great game, and it's a beautiful goal for the second. The finish. goal is incredible. Yeah, brilliant it goal. Is. I just, I, I really like the assist. I love uh, kind of stumbling, falling over cross. 
No, no way. He just no one picking that. No one means to be cutting the ball from there in the air to outside the penalty area. Like that's that's asking to be hit on the counter. But oh, there's a guy exactly. there and he just and he buries the shot. It um, bounces so sweetly. I think like a lot of my frustration with this comes from a lot of the things I really hate about the game in general. Like, cause I've seen plenty of absolute pish Arsenal performances the last few years. But the frustrating one about this, aside from being in such good form and then turning to shit, is all the things I hate in the game were coming out. And especially in the young players, like Gabby Martinelli, especially. Um, the amount of times a player would go near him and there's like, you know, they brush shoulders or something and he's he's hit the deck holding his face or something. And like even at points in the game where Arsenal are one nil down and they've got the ball and they're looking to attack and move the ball quick. Odegaard's trying to find something, get something happening. And Martinelli's decided to lay down, pretend he's hurt, and then gets up because he hasn't gotten the foul. And the Arsenal haven't put the ball out. So then 20 seconds later, he's back and running into position when he should have just been there in the first place. Bukayo Saka, same thing. He got booked for diving and it was the most blatant dive. I'm so happy he got booked for it because it's just bullshit and I hate it. Um, I felt for Lacazette, you know, he was just kind of marked out of it by that three centre-backs sitting pretty tight into him and Arsenal just weren't moving the ball quick enough. So Lacazette can't do anything if you're not going to move the ball quick to your striker's feet. That's what he's good at, holding up play, linking up with the other midfielders. But when they moved the ball so slow and dumb, it was just, yeah, it was just tough to watch. Yeah, it looked like the best chances really did stem from long-range efforts. Like we saw the Erdewelde, obviously, to make it 2-1. Yeah. Um, was it um, Lakonga that plays in midfield? He had a couple of speculative long-range efforts that one stung the palm of the keeper, one went wide, which looked very close. Um, but yeah, it is is resonant of the fact that Brighton could not be broken down because of the lack of intrinsic forward play. Yeah. Although yep. in saying that, Eddie and Keddie did have a very nice chance at the end. Probably world-class save that one. Yeah, it was, but, you know, it doesn't... Uh, the scoreline is the scoreline. I, I look at the overall performance kind of separate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Ketia scores out and you get away with a tool draw. I'm still feeling the same level of fucking... Hatred for some of the bullshit that went on in this game. I just don't understand how you can roll out and just expect. At one point, at one nil, they had it was maybe fifteen to go oh, at two nil, maybe ten to go. I'm watching Gabriel, Ben White, and Cedric Suarez pass the ball. They pass the ball to each other about five or six times in a row inside their own half still. Uh, because they just couldn't find a pass into the midfield to break it open. Like there was no one, no one moving, everyone standing flat. Just really dumb. Not even, I want to say amateurs, but that's insulting to some of the great amateur players out there. You know? <laughs> do, you think just- it's, do you think it's down to Thomas Partey's absence and, you know, the fact you've had to move Granite Jacker into left back as well? That's a big part of it. Definitely a big part of it. But, you know, Odegaard's, Odegaard's shown he's good enough. To kind of play there, probably not ideal. Lukonga still to me looks a bit raw, very fresh this season. Um, another year for him under under Arteta will do him real good. I think if there's a player there. It just not the sort of player you want to be hoping to turn to as like a linchpin of your midfield when 
you're up against experienced Premier League footballers like your Pascal yeah. Grosses, your Cachetos, and just yeah. a, a well a well structured Brighton side that are, as we've said before, very well coached Brighton side who play to their strengths really well and they know how to get results. Yep, yeah, all credit to them. Um, you know, as much as you want to rag on Arsenal, which th- their shortcomings are obvious and they have everyone to see, but Brian did well. Oh, they, Brian were great. Yeah. yeah, they took it straight to them. They nullified everything Arsenal did try when they were able to move it quicker. But yeah, yeah, good on Brighton. Well done. <laughs> Seagulls. <laughs> yeah, have it chop. My last, my last, um, my last point on that one. It's this. It's maybe a bit nitpicky, but I can't remember if I've, if I've said this on the pod before. But uh, we're really missing Tommy Asu, the right back that was signed this season since he's been out. Cedric Suarez is the replacement, and you know this is a guy who, what did he, where did he, he played for Southampton for a few years, I believe. Yep. Now finds himself as Arsenal's like second, like main right back. All of a sudden, uh, that kind of highlights just, I guess the the distance that Arsenal still need to go to take that next step to really solidify like a top four kind of team to get yep. back into the the big boys, if you will. Um, players like Gabriel, you know, no knock on the guy for his, like, his work rate stuff, incredible. Is he a good enough footballer to be helping Arsenal take that next step? Probably not. He's okay, though. No, I think it's a sharp. I think it's a sharp point. Um, it, you know, the the Suarez signing kind of reminds me of when Liverpool in their banter era signed Pukinchewski, and whether or not he was good <laughs> enough to play left back for Liverpool. He ended up playing a lot of games for them, and it just it's it feels like the similar situation where you're like, okay, we can dip into a mid, you know, mid table Premier League fullback, bring them into the team. Doesn't really matter. If they play or if they don't play, they'll be able to do a job. But no, because if they have to play an extended period of time, they're not going to be able to do the job that is yeah. required of them to be a Champions League footballer. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, you're totally right. Uh, 15 league games he ended up playing for, for Liverpool which in is, that season. Yeah, Which yeah. is, you know, that's half a season. So you've got a guy in there yeah. who is not up to the quality of what you wish. Of what you wish so. Yeah, 100%. Um, we talk about the relegation battle. We can jump through, what have we got? We've got Leeds, Watford. We've got the Norwich beating Burnley result. Uh, what else would we have in relegation battle there? I guess Everton, Man United, but we can save that till last. Let's that, kick it off with Watford, will... Leeds. There's not much to say about Watford, Leeds because it was a really dog shit game. And yeah. it's, it's punctured by the fact Leeds were able to score three goals. The Harrison goal, the best of the lot. But, you know, Leeds probably should have been... It should have been 1-1 before the, the Watford mistake. Rodrigo pounces on an error between the keeper and the, the center, central defender, rolls it into an empty net, and that's pretty much epitomizes why Watford's going down. It's because they make they don't score the clear-cut chances they factor for themselves, and then they make crucial mistakes in the final third, and Leeds were there to punish them. So, Yeah, definitely. Um, I think for me this season, there's always been a pretty clear gap between We've talked about Norwich a lot and how putrid they've been, but Watford are not really. They're probably in the same camp. There seems to be a massive gap between. I think. I don't think the table does. The table have a Norwich and Watford the bottom two. They are the bottom two, yeah. But it's they not really by that much. No, they're not. But it, when you watch them, it, they really do feel like 
the two worst teams in the competition. Yeah, Burnley, fuck, yeah. Burnley don't seem as bad a team because I think it's because we're used to their shit, though. Yeah, we're just used to their bloody bullshit <laughs> parking That's the bus. What it is. They grind some decent results here and there, and so we forget how putrid they actually are. But Watford and Norwich are just <laughs> abhorrent football teams. Uh, get oh, them down. Much. Get rid of them. In saying that, Norwich upset Burnley. So what? <laughs> what is that to say about Burnley? Is that them down now? I hope so. We can only hope. I think... When we, went over, cutting him. when we know we went over a few weeks back, probably a few months back, who we wanted to disappear down the down to the championship. Norwich, Watford, and Burnley were my three. Just get rid of them. Had enough. See you later. So hopefully that's the end of Burnley, but it might not be because there's still plenty of games left, plenty of points up for grabs, plenty of twists and turns to be had. Uh, yeah. It would be tough from here though. But you know, and wasn't there a twisty turny result on the weekend with Everton? There was a twisty turny result with Everton. I I don't know about you, but I was very torn about who I wanted to win that game of football. <laughs> because same, no same. Uh, like obviously, don't want Man United to win any football game ever. <laughs> um, but kind of would love to see Frank Lampard disappear down the gurgler as well. You know, not so much. I don't have anything against Everton. I think it's uh, it's per dis- se. It's disgusting how badly managed they've been, though, given uh, what they've spent on players and like the players they brought in and stuff, and they have in their squad. Uh, they're a long way off the the Everton Cup, the David Moyes uh, Europa League spot. But uh, I just remembered how much I hate Man United and that I spent twenty years watching them win everything. So anytime they lose, we just got to enjoy it. CR seventh. Oh, I was in raptures. If they finish seventh this season, be, <laughs> there was just plain to see one team playing for something, one team playing for nothing. And that's, that's what Everton had. They actually had a little bit of mongrel about them and they ran something like six kilometers further than the Manchester United players combined as a team. And it's like, <laughs> you ask the question, why don't, why don't Man United give a shit? Have you seen a more lackluster group of players, a, a, a group of players that just could not care any less as to what they were doing at that moment? No, I haven't. And like, it's, you know, we, we take the piss obviously, because, you know, we love laughing at them losing, but uh, if you were a United fan, I'd imagine the pain of seeing, you know, the passion you used to see from guys like Ferdinand and your Keens and Neville's, obviously those guys were unreal players, but, like, I don't think there's anything to say some of these guys aren't as good. Like, Paul Pogba, we've seen him. He's a world-class footballer. We know he's, you know, he's unreal on his day. Bruno Fernandes is a world-class footballer. Ronaldo's Ronaldo. You know, he maybe isn't what he used to be, but he's still Ronaldo. And, you know, they're just, to be going out and putting in some of those displays, like, they just, like you said, they look like they didn't give a shit, which is... They look like a side that's playing for nothing, but they're not playing for nothing because they're Manchester United and they're expected to be at the pointy end every year. You can say what you like about, oh, you know, realistically this squad isn't up to it or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But that's beside the point because they're Manchester United. They're meant to be up there. They've got all the resources in the world to be at the pointy end of the table and they're not. And they've got a bunch of players who look like they don't give a fuck if they're not. 
Yeah. That's the thing. You can be average. You can be shit even. But if you show that you care, you can, you can be the worst player in the world. But at the very least, you can show a commitment and an intent to play for the club of which have picked you. <laughs> and that's, they're not even doing that anymore. That's why I think, remember when Phil Jones came back for the, that couple game spell and he played yep. not too bad, but he played not too bad in the context of this Man United team. That's yep. because you only had one guy on the pitch that actually gave a fuck. Yep. This insipid would be the word I'd use. Perfect. Insipid. That's exactly it. Insipid yeah. United. And you know what? They're only going to shoot themselves in the foot more because now, you know, there's a negative image on Ralph Ranić, even though he's kind of been brought in to do a job that he wasn't supposed to be doing right now. His job is to like be the director of football, technical director, oversee yeah. the footballing aspect of the club, not actually be the manager and deal day to day with the players. Yeah. And now you're going to besmirch that whole idea, throw it out again, maybe bring in Ten Hag from Ajax. Okay, good idea, but you know, he's had success with a formula of football that Man United don't have or play or a structure that, you know, what, what academy do Man United have at the moment? What players have you seen come through in the Man United team in the last five years that yeah. have actually lit it up? This is an entire team of bought players other than Marcus Rashford, who's exceptionally average this season. Greenwood, who's had his off-field troubles. And then who else, really? Who else? Yep. Ronaldo smashing people's phones. <laughs> Things oh, like that. <laughs> I wasn't going to touch on it. It's, it was very Nick Kyrgios of him, I thought. Um, it's just, it's a shame that the, the young fan had a disability, I think. It's just, um, he also got, he got, booked, audience. he got booked for booting the ball off the pitch into the bench as well. I think it was his own bench. He smashed yeah, the ball into it. Which is fair. I think that should be, you should be able to do that once a game. There was so many of those weird moments, you know, uh, Harry Maguire calling for handball against his own player. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Will, Will Gordon scoring another deflected goal. Brilliant. Like, it just had everything. Will Gordon? I believe it is Will. We may have been mistaken last time. Anthony. We've been over this. Yeah, definitely Will, Anthony. William Gordon. Anthony. <laughs> Anthony Gordon. Uh, yeah, May United losing to a side with Alex Awebi in it. Not good. Um, and a, and a 70, 74 year old Seamus Coleman. Uh, on their manager, like you said, I think like they really need to just get a long haul guy in now. Like it needs to be a this guy's coming in. We keep this is what like they need to go after someone and say, this is what we want. This is where we want to be in X amount of time. I don't give a fuck if you finish. 13th, 12th next year. Let everybody laugh at us. But we have to maybe sacrifice a season or two to make sure we get the right guy and can get to get to the place they want to be, you know, because otherwise they're just going to keep they're doing this thing. You can't just keep rotating managers and then those managers are buying players and then disappearing and then a new manager comes in and he isn't like this player, so he needs a different player and it's just a horrible cycle to be stuck in. Yeah. We saw Chelsea have kind of made it work, but, you know. To a degree. There's to been a degree. no dynasty or longevity. No, it's kind of like a, you know, a good year or two fall away, a good year or two again fall away. Uh, May United now, though, yeah, big changes. Big changes got to happen, but big I'm changes. enjoying it. it. It's kind of reminiscent of Spurs as well. They're kind of in that cycle at the moment. It uh, What you said, it feels like they tried to do that with Oli, but they picked the wrong guy and they didn't have 
the back room behind him, the director yeah. of football, you know, the owners that actually wanted to see a football team win rather than just buy players to market them and make money and yeah. rah, rah, rah. This, the bit, you know, I think people are skeptical of them missing the Champions League being the best thing for the club, but it probably is going to be the best thing for the club. Yeah, it, it will be. It's like, if they do miss it, um, you know, they're still in a position where they could, given the form of the sides above them, it could still go any way. Um, but it just comes back to that point that, you know, the your Man United finishing fourth shouldn't be good enough, you know. Um, I forgot what else I was going to say. I had another point, but I've forgotten. All right. Is it going to come to you or should we move cross town and go look at the blue, blue side of Manchester? We can go look at the blue side of Manchester. Let's do that. Uh, the EPL's grand final, the best game <laughs> since football was invented in 1992. <laughs> What's this? The greatest game in the greatest contest in the greatest nation and the greatest league of all time to have ever been hosted. Uh, it's definitely, definitely up there, isn't it? It was pretty good. Let's be real. It, it was, was really good. good. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> we shouldn't get carried away, but it was really good. It was really There's good. lots of really good games every year. <laughs> but was this the really goodest game? <laughs> Look, I think it really took me back to that. Remember the year where Liverpool, I think they only lost one game for the year and they would have won the league had it not been for, I think it was, um, was it Stones who cleared the ball off the line? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Against, against Liverpool. And that would have, if that had gone in, you know, Liverpool win the league, but they didn't. Um, this kind of this game kind of reminded me of of that, like a back and forth, just kind of two very good teams just playing at the highest quality that they have, throwing everything at each other, not sitting back and just you know being timid and hoping not to make a mistake and getting a result at the other end. Both teams genuinely trying to break the other side open and score goals, and it's just so good to watch. It really was. It was. Um... It's almost a shame that you only get this in this fixture now in the Premier League, but maybe it's a testament to how good these two sides are. And, and their managers. And their managers, yeah. They are exceptionally managed, like Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp. They, are, they will go down as maybe the best managers of the last decade, potentially the best managers of this decade. And the game didn't disappoint. Like you said, it was an open, free-flowing affair. Both sides not, you know, obviously concerned if they lose, but more concerned with playing their brand of football and trying to win the game. And that's something you don't see a lot or you haven't seen a lot in the last five years with the big clubs playing each other. And it was just, yeah, breath of fresh air. I loved it. Yeah. So good to see. Um, there was just some like really key moments in the game. Like, I guess the goals are the goals. Um, you know, everyone's seen them. We don't need to go over that, but just some of the other little moments, like a proper game of inches, you know, with shots going like, just off the post or like, you know, just going wide or defender just getting a foot in, goalkeeper getting a touch. There was a chance Gabby Jesus had in the second half where he got in and kind of he, he took a shot on when if he cut the ball, City score, like City 100% score. Yeah, he fizzes um, it into the side netting, yeah. Yeah, and he has guys streaming into the box for him. Um, just little moments like that, like proper... Like it's cliche to say, but yeah, proper game of inches. It was, it was brilliant in that respect. Um, and you saw 
properly Game of Inches, the disallowed winner for Sterling. I mean, that was, for me, not offside. I thought that was a legitimate goal, but. What do you mean? The Sterling winner that was ruled it looked, out. It looks clearly off. Isn't that isn't it the other guy that's offside? And Sterling is the one. That nah, Sterling was. I'm yeah. I'm fairly sure Sterling was comfortably. It, as no, soon I, as they put it up, I reckon it was the it was another player that was offside. I thought Sterling was the middle we'll runner, and they they here. measured they measured it from his his shoulder against um, Van Dyke's shoulder, I believe. To me, let's, when I saw it, it looked, it looked onside to me, and it's a beautiful finish. There was a few contentious moments in this game. There was a couple of maybe a second yellow for Thiago or a sending off of Bibinho throughout the game. There was, in my eyes, Man City uh, were worthy winners, and I think they should have won this game, given the, the brevity of chances they created and just the general dictation of play, I thought. It, it always appeared Liverpool were on the back foot and, you know, potentially they were always chasing the game. They were never in front, um, which an uh, interesting stat came out of the game. Uh, first time this season City have scored first and not won. There you go. That's quite a stat. Mm. It just it shows a dominance. Yeah, it? it really speaks to their kind of, I've said it a few times tonight, but the ruthlessness that they have these teams when they get in front and just give nothing away ever. So I, I, I kind of think the, the draw was for the best. I kind of like the race. two teams just went head to head like that and just, you know, we're still in the same position we were before. Um, but just like that both sides just left everything out there and we still couldn't separate them. So now we just have to, yeah. you know, the table never lies. You know, we've still got, was it six, seven games to go? Mm-hmm. Plenty of football. Um, plenty Everyone's of football. saying... Everyone's saying City perhaps have the easier run, but I think in that respect, maybe they've got the trickier run because they've got these weird ties against Leeds and Brentford to come. And you wonder, you know, these are teams who have things to prove still. Whereas, you know, if you're playing Liverpool, who play Aston Villa on the last day of the season or teams where who have performed well earlier in the season and then are just kind of middling out and looking forward to the end of it. I don't know. There's definitely some twists and turnies to come. 100%. We'll see how it all goes. Um, we might what just finish. Oh, what have you oh, got? I was going to go one more point. KDB, six goals, six games. Uh, generational talent, definitely a buzzword that's thrown around at the moment. But <laughs> this guy could single-handedly take Belgium to a World Cup final, couldn't he? Uh, yeah, he could. He's definitely good enough. He's that sort of player could just drag a team on his own. You know, City do have all those excellent players, but still so much it seems to be coming back to him. Has to be. He missed a really guilt-edged chance in the first half, which looked just on a platter for him to eat it up and put City to yeah. a head. But and you know, we didn't, we didn't yeah, he did grab a really nice goal. We didn't even talk about the um the Mares failed chance in the last minute either. I, I really liked that he tried to chip the keeper from that angle, but obviously not the hundred percent. Outcome action. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I'm happy with the draw. Get the Premier League title race going to the end. I mean, it would have kept going anyway, but it's, you know, the draw is more exciting. One point in it. Um, have you got anything else, Premier League or otherwise? Nah, that was a really good weekend of football, I thought. There was, you know, heaps went on in uh, League 1 
and obviously Italy, Germany, the like, uh, Spain, similarly, Barcelona come out of the fire again, Luke de Jong, 93rd minute winner, but we didn't have to go into this kind of thing. We've done well. No, nah, we've done well. I think um, we're just, I'm just going to finish with a little bit of Ange watch because yeah, hit me. have made the point on here before about how important the first game after an old firm is always very important for both sides because, you know, it feels like such a waste if you go and get such a big victory over your arch rivals and then you drop the points in the following game anyway. Uh, but no danger of that. Uh, Ange's Celtic side came out and the St. Johnston barely touched the ball against them Saturday night. It was 7-0, and they just romped it in. Um, just ruthless again. It's the word of the night. Um, yeah, killed them. Rangers the next night came out and won 4-0 against St. Mirren. So both sides just putting the both foot sides. down and oh, yeah. going to try and take it all the way to the end. But, you know, Celtic are going to have to have a pretty remarkable choke from here and it would be it would be a remarkable choke if they did um fingers crossed they don't for me rangers fans listening i know they'll be hoping that they slip on all sorts of banana peels it's that time of the season though isn't it the big teams have to start getting into top gear absolutely start motoring teams last six seven games in the season this is great it would it would kill Ange and it would kill australian football in a sense if he did butcher this now um yeah so let's for me personally, just as an Australian football fan, I hope Ange gets it yeah. over the line. I think there's also, I think the there's another derby this weekend in the because the Scottish Cup is on. So Celtic are still on for a potential treble, domestic treble. Okay. Um, Rangers be looking to try and ruin that this weekend. I, th- I believe it's this weekend. I believe it's the Scottish Cup. I haven't done my research. Someone can check this. It doesn't you matter. Know, we're very we're busy. a minute fifty, man. Yeah, we're very busy guys, you know. They're not going to check. Yeah. We are. We're that, busy. People don't know. Maybe we should have a little insight, <laughs> little MTV Cribs kind of situation. Might leave it there before we, we go off the rails, if we haven't already gone off the rails. Thanks for tuning in. Get around us on the socials, Facebook, Insta, Twitter. Check it out. Get on the website, nicelyfootball.com. All the episodes are available on there, on Spotify, on Apple. Have a listen. Get around it. See you next time. Au revoir.